opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the content creators and should not be assumed to reflect product endorsements or the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hello, I'm Paul Edwards, and welcome to Tuesday Topics. Um, the usual suspects are here, though some of us are more forward than others. Um, backward at the moment is our is our host and regular hand raiser, Mr. Rick Morin, who's working on other things, but he is about. So, um, welcome, Rick. Our our hand raising expert is with us, Miss Marion. How are you? I'm well, Paul. Thank you very much. Excellent. And of course, our co-host Brian Charlson is here. Hello, Mr. Brian. Hello, hello. I tell you, of course. Now, is that is that a title? Of course, I'm, I'm it, it it is. It C O A R S E. Of course. Don't go yeah. spelling on me now. You know, I'm. I'm spelling challenged. Yes, and and with my and, secondary disability. And and our streamer remains on the river, Mr. Larry. How are you, sir? On the river? Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Just like last week. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> we are going to talk about um, voting, um, and and essentially explore a little bit uh, where we are. Um, just a little bit before um, we get to our midterm elections. Um, I've been involved in a number of meetings that the Florida Council of the Blind has had, and um, we, we have some interesting approaches. But I think we can all agree, and I'll start off with Brian in a second to get his notion, that, that there are still a lot of things that we need to do in this country uh, to make voting fully accessible and fully fair for folks who are disabled. Yes, Mr. Bryan? Without a question. Whether it's where a polling place is in a church or a school or a community center that isn't physically accessible or when the process itself is broken from an accessibility point of view such as when you arrive at a polling place and the accessible polling station booth uh, is not set up because they never saw a blind person there before. Yep. So th- those are those are a couple of the problems. One of the one of the newer things to to hit the airwaves, as it were, is something that we began to work on in a serious way. I would say, um, just before the 2020 elections, and that were, or was, the... Uh, <laughs> the sound email ballots that we began to circulate. Um, and, and I think that that perhaps is the place where we ought to start, because that seems still to be where a lot of the controversy is. Um, and and I guess that we should divide what we're talking about into two segments, at least to start with. First, the email ballot itself and what its advantages are, and then the the missing link in most states. I think there are four or five states at the moment that that have that link, but virtually all of the other places where an accessible 
uh, email ballot is available, only have half of it. So, um, Brian, perhaps you would talk a little bit about um, an email ballot and, and how it works so far and, and, and the element that isn't often there. So I'm going to use uh, Massachusetts, surprise, as an example of when things go almost right. Um, we, uh, back in 2020, were successful at getting an electronic absentee ballot available to people with disabilities. However, that happened two weeks before the election itself. And there was virtually no time to inform the disability community that that was possible. And many of the public posts dealing with uh, absentee ballots omitted any reference to the accessibility approach toward those ballots. And though at that time, the ballot was accessible, you could get a pin, go online, type in your pin, fill out your ballot. But at the end of the ballot process, you had to print the ballot at your home, put it in the envelope that was sent to you by your local uh, election official, sign it between a couple of uh, punch holes. That was your line to indicate where you sign it, but you had no way of knowing what it is you were signing um, and the like. So the real problem, Paul, was that second part of it, that you could vote online, but you had to print it locally. And because it required what they call a wet signature, meaning it had to be you know, a, a pen writing on the page, uh, it was restrictive to those who are not comfortable doing that. Right, and, well, and, and it wasn't... It, and it wasn't only sometimes just the, the, the signature that was required. You were also sometimes required to date it as well in a yes. particular box, depending on what your state required. I understand you may not be, that may not describe what you had to do in, in Massachusetts, but there are a lot of blind people who can do signatures. But if you ask them to actually figure out how to put a date inside a box, that becomes an, a virtually impossible task, which means, of course, that it is not accurate to say that that the the ballot without return, and that's what we'll call it for now, um, allows you to vote independently or privately, um, uh, or, or really in secret. So, um, so it 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 was disheartening. We had the same situation in Florida, only worse, because we. Uh, had a court battle and ended up ended up just having five counties where it was deployed and again very close to the election and and the worst of it was that we had we had almost zero turnout i think we would be we would have been lucky if we had double figures for the whole state in terms of people who used that mail ballot and ours was the same as massachusetts um, in other states, um, in in other states, the second part was there. And uh, Brian, do you want to describe that second part? 
So uh, again, the process now is here in Massachusetts. I just got my uh, information today from my town clerk that gives me the ability to do this, that one has to uh, seek an accommodation through the Secretary of State's office. Um, and with that, where you self-identify as a person with a disability, your local town clerk is informed that you qualify. However, the wording is rather uh, odd in that it doesn't say in there that you're asking for an absentee ballot as a person with a disability. It doesn't say anything like that in the process. Nonetheless, if you apply for uh, an absentee ballot, you will be presented with a pin uh, and a link. Go do your ballot. Again, this is the second step now. It's not mm -hmm. just like, gee, I'm a voter, therefore I can do this. I first have to apply for the accommodation. Right. Then I can do this. And once I've filled it out, I have to attest to it online, which means I'm asked to either use a wet signature and fax it in, or we are now allowed to type in our signature. So it's now become much more accessible in that respect here in Massachusetts. But the law that makes this doable in Massachusetts is set for three years. It's got to prove itself before the legislature is going to be willing to make it a permanent aspect of equal access to absentee voting. So, but but nevertheless, do you still have to put it in an envelope and send it back? No, you submit it along with your uh, attesting to the fact that that's what you are doing. Yeah, so so you guys actually have a return. So and and this actually yes. means that a blind person has a has a much better chance of of really being able to vote privately, independently, and 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 um, uh, secretly. Right. Assuming that the individual has access to a computer, has right. access has an email address, um, now can, and knows can, that the whole process exists. Right. Can you use can you use uh, like an iPhone to do that as well? Yes. Nice. Yes, you can. Uh, um, I would say it's not the easiest way to do it, but it is very doable. So, Ms. Marianne, do you have a notion of what went on in Pennsylvania and where they are now? They're using um, Democracy Life. That's right. We're but using. Are they using returns as well? Um, no, they have to print it out. In fact, right. I was talking to Chris just um, the other day. Her and Doug were printing out their ballots and getting them mailed in. And I don't know more than that. I don't know if they need a date. I think they can sign anywhere. I don't think they're verifying signatures in Pennsylvania. So, like, you know, if your signature's off. But I, as more than that, I don't know. So of course, that, that was a huge issue and, and, and is a huge issue in some states where where signature verification was a was a was a good way of, of disqualifying um, ballots of disqualifying ballots right. yep um but uh, luckily i don't think i don't think they've done that very much in 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 florida either i know that 
while I while I make every effort to make my signature look the same, I'm pretty sure that from signature to signature it doesn't. Right. I mine either. Yeah. So interesting. So that's that's a little bit about electronic ballots. Now I heard that there were a few people who had hands up, so I suspect Brian, they may have some things they'd like to say about what we've been talking about so far. Shall we open it up and see what they'd like to say? Do that. Please raise your hand if you would like to discuss this topic. Chris Bell has his hand raised. Hey, Chris. What a surprise. Hey, guys. How How are you doing this evening? Uh, And and North Carolina has quite a story to tell. Tell us, Chris. Yes. So um, in uh, in 2020, uh, the North Carolina Council of the Blind and several individual members uh, sued the State Board of Elections using as our lawyers, the disability rights advocates and our local protection advocacy agency. Um, And um, we got very quickly uh, a preliminary uh, injunction uh, giving us the right to vote in the 2020 presidential election with both uh, electronic um receipt of the ballot which we use democracy live which was accessible mm-hmm. and the ability to do electronic return um the only wrinkle was that we had to have a witness uh which didn't have to be somebody theoretically who was able to see whom we voted for um but was uh to attest that in fact uh, it was the voter uh, doing the voting. And the reason for that was we had a huge scandal down here in the state in one of our congressional districts where a Republican operative went around and and collected uh, absentee ballots from people who he said he would uh, submit to the state election board, which he did after he uh, voted for the Republicans. Um, So they had more Republican Mm. votes in that congressional district than there were registered Republicans, um, (laughs) which which resulted in an investigation and an invalidation of the election. But it also resulted in the state legislature putting in a two witness requirement for absentee voting. And then during the pandemic, they passed a law uh, because of fears of uh, passing uh, the covid virus to uh, voters. Um, and witnesses, they passed it and reduced it to one witness, but now it's back to two. Um, so anyway, with the, with the one witness, uh, you could uh, fill out a form to request your absentee ballot um, <clears throat> and uh, send it in. It, it's a, it got a little complicated because we have 100 different counties in North Carolina and therefore we have 100 county boards of election and the state board of election that oversees this very wisely decided in response to the preliminary injunction that it really needed to control this because it was left to the mercies of 100 county boards of election who the hell knew what would happen so um all your voting in your ask filling out the request for uh, an absentee ballot uh, you'd fill it out and then that request would be sent to your local county board of election that would then <clears throat> email to you a notice that your ballot or your county was available and you could click on a link and then you got your democracy live ballot 
and which was very accessible and, and you could vote and all that stuff. And then you had to find in 2020 one witness. So if you were living with somebody or had some, a roommate or in my case, you were married, that second person could be your witness, even though, of course, my blind wife didn't witness me. <laughs> anything, he didn't witness her either. But, 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 but there was anyway, nothing. There was nothing in the law that would have prevented her from doing that, though, Chris. No, no, no. Right. And and this was based on the fact that in North Carolina and in many other states, but not by any reason at all of them. Um, the federal law that I always get this wrong, the Uniformed Overseas Citizens Voting Register Assistance Act, uh, often uh, called ULOCAVA, um, in North Carolina was adopted to permit uh, those folks living abroad who are citizens or military to uh, request a ballot electronically and to return it electronically. Um, and therefore, our argument to the court was, hey, um, you know, the state's arguments that this is a security problem or they can't do it is all bogus because they're already doing it. They're just doing it for overseas voters. So the court had no trouble in, in agreeing with us. Um, the, the and, and I think problem- it would be accurate, Chris, just, just to, to kind of dot I's and cross T's. I think it would be accurate to say this kind of military overseas voting is available in virtually every state now. Yes. Yes, it's available by federal law. Yes. Federal law doesn't mandate uh, either the electronic sending of the ballot or the electronic return. Mm -hmm. Okay. In fact, I believe Clark Rockwell told me there was... There were a couple of states where you, uh, you everything was done by mail. Yes, yes, there are. Anyway, because you know yep. if you're in wherever, it could take a long time. Um, at any rate, um, the the problem with this process, in addition to now we have to get two witnesses, um, is that there's been very little voter education uh, of the blindness community. Um, about the availability of this. And secondly, mm-hmm. when you go to the website, <clears throat> the first thing you naturally would do, uh, as I did, even though I could have known better, was to go to my particular county's Board of Election website. And yes, they had the form up for uh, requesting an absentee ballot, um, but it wasn't accessible. <laughs> um, I couldn't fill it out. I mean, I could read it, but I couldn't insert any text. So I called up the County Board of Elections. I said, say, this isn't legal. You guys are supposed to make this accessible. Oh, so that's a state form. You have to call the state. So I call the state, and, and actually I call the ADA coordinator of the state, and I say, what's the story? And he says, well, they're right. It's a state form, and, and yes, you can fill it out at the state level, and when it's filled out, we send it to the county. And I said, but it doesn't say that it's, first of all, it should be accessible on the county website because it's a county, looks appearing to be a county form. And secondly, it doesn't tell you that it's not going to be accessible, so you have to go to the state website. Well, I know we're a little short on instructions. We've talked about that. We'll have to deal with that after the election. So, so, okay. (laughs) So then, so then you go to the state website and the option for the electronic voting and return 
is for visually impaired voters, not for disabled voters, but for visually impaired voters. Interesting. And you, yeah. And you go to the portal. Well, there's a reason for that. Okay. And the reason for that is something that, that I actually was involved in um, because I kind of set up the lawsuit and I did not want um, the uh, lawsuit to apply to all different disabilities because it was my contention based on my own experience that blind people get short shrift uh, if you involve a, a bunch general of settlement disability communities. Yeah. 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 And so even though the, the Protection Advocacy Agency actually was a plaintiff and wanted to broaden the representation, mm-hmm. I said, no, you know, we, we won't get what we need if you do that. So they went along with that. Um, so um, at any rate, so if you want to want to click on the box that says you're visually impaired, um, that's fine. But that doesn't give you the request <laughs> for an absentee ballot. And I so I call the ADA coordinator. And I said, "What you know? Like, what's the story?" Oh, you have to cl- you have to first click on the box that say you want to vote absentee, and then you can get access to the request, which you can fill out and then send it. I said, "But there's no instructions." And he said, well, I know there should be, but and we'll, we'll, we'll deal with that afterwards. So, I mean, you, you have to be very persistent and you have to know, you know, that you can call and complain and you have to know what an ADA coordinator is. And I mean, it's a very high level of both information and persistence that's required to actually use a process that when you go to use it, it's quite accessible, except figuring it out is very hard. So, so that's the story. So do you anticipate that, that there will actually be quite a few people who will use the electronic system in North Carolina? No, I don't. Um, I no. think that uh, we do have early voting, and yep. um, I think most people will do what they uh, have done in the past, which is to go to the poll and actually vote using one of the accessible voting machines. I haven't decided what I'm going to do. Have, uh, frankly. have you guys had a pretty high participation um, using no, accessible voting machines? It was very low. Yeah. Uh, oh, inaccessible. You mean at the ballot? At the at yeah, the at place? the polling station. Yeah. I don't know that. Yeah. There are studies that the Board of Election has done, but the, that data is not. Um, made public. I mean, I mm-hmm. think it is requestable under the North Carolina Public Records Act, but right. I, don't, I don't have it. Um, See, that one of the things, and, and, and we're going we're gonna to open it up to somebody else in just a second, but one, one of the things that we're being told in Florida is that across the board, participation is so low by people with disabilities as population. Um, that, that it is almost criminal, say the supervisors of elections, to to spend the amount of money that they're required to spend for virtually no participation, and it's a and it's a pure, unadulterated waste of space. Now we have we have a, a more interesting argument in Florida. Um, the machines that disabled people have used for voting in, I think, sixty three of the sixty seven counties in Florida were outlawed for use by everybody else in 2007. Oh, <laughs> so um, it, it, um, it, 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 
it made for a good deal of confidence on the part of disabled voters that their votes were being handled by machines that were reputable and appropriate. So, Right. I'll tell you an argument that I've made, uh, which is which is to say that when um, when sex was added as a prohibited basis for discrimination in the 1964 Civil Rights Act, which wasn't, by the way, in 1964, it was later, um, you would have had many employers that had to go around and build new bathrooms. Right. Um, And that presumably was expensive, since I put one in my house and it was bloody expensive. Um, and that was just for one person. Um, and so, but you didn't hear. Or and you didn't you know, do it because of sex either. No, um, <laughs> any kind. Um, but you never, you, you don't hear in the historical record, right. employers saying, oh, it's too, too expensive. We can't afford to hire women because, you know, on a construction, on a construction crew, we'll never get any women applicants. So why the heck do we have to pay to put in a yep. bathroom, yep. you know? So that's that's the argument I make, um, and you know I think it's valid. That doesn't mean it convinces people, but I think so. It's a valid so argument. do you do you subscribe to the notion that that if if we if we if we have the right to something like um, electronic email ballots or uh, or accessible voting machines, uh, that because we have a right. They, th- there is an obligation for them to be there, and it, and the numbers who turn turn up don't really matter. I do subscribe to that, and yep. the same argument would go for accessible pedestrian signals. And yes, a lot of other things. Yep. Um, it, yeah, it should have nothing to do with how many people use it. If yep. it's a right, which it yep. should be, because we're yep. citizens and we get to vote, then yeah, it doesn't matter what their bean counters say or the number of people who yep. use it. Chris, thank you so much for all of your, as always, appropriate feedback, sir. Thank you. Thank you. You are a gentleman and a scholar, sir. (laughs) Miss Marion. Yes, Anthony Corona has his hand raised. (laughs) Our Florida person. Hey, Anthony. Hey. I've got a a few things to say if it's okay. Um, Let's go. So, you know, I want to fully disclose that I am working for one of the election ballot companies. Um, I don't want to say which one because there's some information that I'm not really uh, privy to give out. Uh, But I want to take a step back for a second and remind everybody listening that it is very frustrating for us to be dealing with this. But we're not the only community who's dealing with misinformation, um, lack of information, uh, outright false information. So, you know, I, I want to kind of ask everyone to try to remember that it's not they're trying to get the blind folks or they're trying to get the disabled folks, though I do believe they're scared of us because if we do come out and vote in mass, it's, it, it is going to change things. Um, you know, having said that, I'm going to ride the elephant that, that you, you know, already introduced over in the cage right out into the middle of the circus tent. Um, I've seen numbers that are compiled from the Department of Justice, uh, who, by the way, for full electronic ballot return like they have in Massachusetts, the system that's used is the same system that's used for military and overseas voting. And it is overseen by the Department of Justice in conjunction with the Homeland, with Homeland Security and the CIA. It is probably the most secure way you can send information on the planet. Having said that, everybody should do their own research because nobody should take what one person says as God. 
Man. Having said that, though, and getting back on the elephant. Oh, look at that pinky Dumbo. Um, <laughs> the numbers are absolutely abysmal. And I'm not talking about absentee balloting. I'm talking about folks that go and use the machines. The numbers are abysmal based upon the estimated eligible, eligible disabled voters that would be using those machines. And this isn't Florida. This isn't New York. This is countrywide. The numbers are abysmal. So we're not actually getting out there and voting the way we project when we're doing advocacy. Hold hold on, though. You don't you don't know that. And, And it's a it's a it's it's a problem for me that 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 is the the generalized exception i think you can say and and i would buy into the fact that disabled people are not using the disability voting machines disabled people are not using accessible online ballots i think i could accept you saying that but i don't think you have the information to say that people with disabilities aren't voting no, oh, okay. Uh, let me let me rephrase that state that sentence, and and I would have qualified it in one or two sentences later, but let me rephrase <laughs> that. They're not using the accessible method of voting allotted I, at the moment. I agree so with that. There's there's but, a good and significant portion of us that sure. aren't voting independently. Well, I, I, again, I don't know that we know that for sure. Um, and I guess I would ask a question. And, and since you work for a, a balloting company, you might know the answer. And the question is, do we know? Uh, well, we do know that that in a midterm election, the likelihood is that only 30 percent of the eligible voting population is likely to vote. Would you agree with that? I would. I think this year they're projecting slightly differently, but Mm -hmm. I would definitely agree with that. Okay. So, so if, if 30% are are not, if 30% are voting, that means that the corollary is that 70% are not. Uh, And, 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 and I get that, but, but I believe that a portion and, and, and a portion that we, we have no idea how large um, consists of people with disabilities who have made a decision. I think it's a pretty widespread decision. The, the, the kind of data that I've been able to collect by talking to people suggests that it, 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 it is a huge proportion of the disability community who vote, who essentially say, I'm perfectly comfortable <clears throat> requesting an ordinary mail ballot and having somebody in my house fill it out. Absolutely. I, I think that's a fair assumption. I do. So, and, and that's why, uh, just, just to, to, to sort of dot I's and cross T's, that's why I don't think it's fair for you um, to say that we have any notion of what proportion of people with disabilities are actually voting. Actually, that's not entirely true either. Because Good, go for it. <laughs> depending on, on the state, there are different ways to register as a voter. And so to get an absentee ballot in a lot of states, you have to disclose that you are a disabled voter. So looking at those numbers, you can make projections for the rest of the states. uh, Well, you can make projections for that state. I don't think you can make projections for the rest of the states. Maybe you can make that. 
I will tell you, Paul, that yeah. many of the national projections on virtually any topic you could mention have been made by statisticians who take numbers from one state and apply it to mm -hmm. the population of yep. the entire country. Massachusetts yep. was the only state at one point that required doctors to register blind people as being mm. blind. Once you're declared legally blind by state law, the doctor has to report that. So they took those numbers and Massachusetts uh, categories of different types of people, age, et cetera, et cetera, and projected that across the country to work out how many people in this country were blind or visually impaired. Fair enough. All right, and Anthony, that, go ahead. So the algorithm, and I hate that word, but unfortunately this is the world we live in. The algorithm that they use is applying, so a state that, that requires you to, to declare so you can get your absentee ballot. They then take similar population centers. So they would say like maybe Minneapolis and say, and I'm making this up. I don't know these two cities to be the ones, but Minneapolis and St. Louis happen to have the same type of population base percentages etc cetera, etc cetera. so they can apply that model to st louis based upon the minneapolis numbers so it's not perfect and there's no way to get a perfect because we are a country that allows for fully independent you know for fully secretive balloting so you can't get a you can't get a, a number that is you know 89 to 100 percent viable you can only look at projections, but projections are pretty accurate when you're looking at it from a way that if this is if this population center is this way, this population population center would be this way as well. All right. Um, in terms so, of usage, not in the, what parties or any of that, just in terms of of usage, usage and and being there, showing up. Fair enough. So let's put another couple of statistics on the table so that everybody has them. Um, it's beginning to be pretty well agreed that somewhere between 20 and 22% of our population nationwide is now disabled. Um, in a state like Florida, that, that is probably a good deal higher, maybe 25, maybe 26%. 28.6%. 28.6, thank you. Making us, by the way, the largest minority dot, dot, dot. And this supports what Anthony is saying. The largest minority in the United States, which means that as a minority, if we were to get out there and vote, we could have a hell of an impact. Yeah. So, so let me just give you one more statistic. And yep. again, they're not, this is not stone. I was about to ask you for another one. Yep. Go ahead. Based, based upon the models from the 2020 election. Mm -hmm. It is somewhere between 22 and 27 percent of disabled voters who, who voted? actually voted. Wow. And that's and that's giving a I think it was a eight percentage give or take for folks that were not mm -hmm. registered as disabled who would who had enough ability to Get use it. their own or had a spouse or friend, family, whatever, help them fill out their ballot. So the bottom so the bottom line is that even in a national election, including elections for the president, um, very little more than a quarter of the qualified disabled 
voters chose to vote yeah. uh, according to the projections that we have. Um, and so that means that instead of being able to represent 24 to 28% of voters, we represented um, uh, 6%. Less than, so. Just slightly less than 6%. Yep. Yep. Good. All right. Um, Marianne, um, Chris Bell had his hand up a little while it ago. Is and I want to recognize him just in case he has something to add to this discussion because I think he'd be useful. Chris, do you want to do you want to come over and, and be part of the panel? Yeah, I'd love to be part of the panel, but I don't want to, you know, nah, step well, on so, so, we'll, so we'll move you over, but go ahead and say what you want to okay. say. Okay. So um, one historical note, and that is that in the 1988 presidential election, when <laughs> George H.W. Bush was running, he called for the enactment of an Americans with Disabilities Act during yep. the Republican convention. Yep. And the Gallup organization <clears throat> decided it would go out, and I don't know exactly what its methodology was, but it, it went to whatever number of voting areas or precincts and somehow visually identified disabled voters, which we both know can't really, isn't really accurate. Yeah. But anyway, they asked them how they voted. And they came out with a study which said that one half of all of George Bush's victory uh, over Dukakis was uh, from the disability vote. So I think he won by, what, 7% or something. Mm -hmm. and, I don't remember what, but half of that was due to the disabled vote. <clears throat> so the disability community made that very widely known in Congress, and, and maybe it had made a difference with the ADA. But what I, the other point I wanted to make was that, um, you know, if, if you do a search for news articles related to disability, you don't come up with many. Nope. Right? Uh, I've uh, done it's, it. it's 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 one of the. It's one of the stranger things. And the other, the other historical component that, that has always struck me as amazing is there has only been one election that I'm aware of where, where there was a clear plurality of the disability community on one side of the election. And that was the 2004 election. And the plurality was on the side of the Republican Party. Uh-huh. Um, well, I, that's right. I, I don't under I don't understand that, and and I certainly recognize that people with disabilities have the right to vote for whoever they want to vote for, um, but but it went against what I think most people think of as as the center uh, that that people with disabilities sit on be, be, because of the degree to which even though. Republicans passed the ADA and Republicans have been very active in disability rights. There is a perception, I think, that Democrats are more supportive of disabled rights and minority rights in general. So it was interesting. Yeah, when, when you take a look at, at trying to define what the disability community is, I think that that plays a big part in this. It we does. know that a significant aspect of Blindness as a disability is age. Uh, like I said, yes. the average age sure. right now is 71 among blind <laughs> and visually impaired people. 
So with that being the case, um, older people are more likely to vote than younger people. Mm-hmm. Just a, a matter of fact, not something I'm particularly happy about. Oh, I, yeah. I mean, I think I think that's that is an accepted reality that that the proportion of older people who vote is much greater than the proportion of younger people to do. Right. And the other thing would be then that, um, I, again, I can't quote you a specific article, but uh, I know I've read in a number of places that the older a segment of the population is, the more likely they are to be conservative. Consider themselves conservative act conservatively uh, yeah, so well, i'm not at all surprised that yeah. the disabled community as a whole as a whole would come out more conservative than not uh okay mm-hmm. <laughs> um well, yeah, again not- you don't you don't agree with that go ahead uh, well i the the truth is i don't know um, and and certainly the, the the statistics for 2004 are on your side. The statistics for all of the elections since then are on mine. Um, that is, there a plurality of disabled people have voted for for certainly for Democratic candidates for president. Um, so uh, it's uh, but but again, I think it's extremely difficult to predict what's going to happen in this country anymore because of Mm -hmm. the degree to which there are so many variables that are in play now. Um, How many people will choose not to vote because they believe the elections are rigged and that the election in 2020 was stolen by, from Donald Trump? How how many people will choose um, not to vote um, because um, they believe that many of the people who are running are election deniers, and any votes that um, that they're given will further corrupt our election machinery. How many people will choose to vote because um, because they actually believe um, that there is a conspiracy on the part of either one of our political parties to somehow screw up the system, and the only way they can make it safe for democracy is to vote. Who knows? I don't. Um, and I think voting is much more unpredictable in in this kind of climate than it's ever been before in the history of the United States. I would agree with that. Paul, well, I have made number. Chris um, a, yeah. a, a panelist. Thank you. So Thanks. one of the things that I've noticed in this cycle mm-hmm. is the number of polls that are conducted uh, in individual races and in things mm-hmm. ac- across the board in issues, etc., cetera, right. etc. Cetera, mm-hmm. The predictions of who's going to win this versus who's going to win that, and what the point spread is in each of those yeah. areas, and if if. Pennsylvania goes to the Democrats, and so right. will Arizona and Georgia. You know, these kinds of things. And I've watched maybe 100 such right. and, YouTube and, videos by predictors. Right. And I thought and, the, the, that the polls' performance mm-hmm. in the 2020 election um, would, would have persuaded most people to disregard whatever the heck they said this time. 
again. But, yeah. I, but you watch the evening news. Yes. And you hear about what the polls say. Yeah, polls I agree. Say this, the polls say that. And they frequently don't indicate that the poll they're referring to is a poll funded by one party or the other. Or we have by... A, we, yep. We have a few but, hands, Mr. Brian. Oh, good. And uh, Anthony, I'll get. We, we will get back to you. I promise. Um, you have ten hands. Very good. Wow. Karen, Who would you good. like to go with? Karen, her? Karen is at the top of the list. Karen Campbell. Hey, Miss Miss Karen. Hey, Karen. You can talk now, Karen. There we. There you go. Hey, Karen. Um, I just wanted to comment. Chris in North Carolina, you are lucky because you guys have it for you Akava voters. In Illinois, we're in a state that does not have it Mm -hmm. for you Akava voters, so trying to get it. We do have electronic delivery for visually impaired and other print disabled, but we do not have electronic return. Getting that... Going to be an uphill fight, right? And and, and that's the same thing. The same thing is true here in Florida, um, Karen. Yep. Cool. Thank you. Anything else you'd like to add? Whoop, guess not. All right. Here Miss Mar- Marianne. Uh, sorry. We have. Sorry. 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 Hey. Sorry. Three six zero. Marianne, you unmuted me. Hi. Five zero eight. Yep. Go ahead. Five zero eight. Yeah. Hi, it's Sharon uh, Strakowski, and I'm on the phone because I could not get into the webinar. Um, It required name and email. Is that something new? No. Um, And 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 actually, your email is almost certainly there. All you have to do is hit continue. I wouldn't let me. No, well then it said. Well, it said dimmed. Yeah. Um, when I went into the, the first, room, I just wondered. Yeah. The the first time that I went in, I was required to do that. But ever since then, I can just press continue, and and I don't have to put in the email anymore. Oh, for every single webinar. Okay. Right. All right. All right. Okay. Very good. Anyway, um, I um am in Massachusetts, and I did vote yep. last night because my. Nice. Election commissioner sent it and it was electronic return and it was lovely. Um, but I had heard Brian say early earlier in the program that this was a three year trial. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not tremendously optimistic that a lot of people are going to use it. Um, and I was one of them before we got the electronic return because I wasn't sure I was going to be able to deal with PDF. Right. And printing it and blah, blah, blah. And this is just so easy. Um, I do miss, honestly, going to the polls. I liked that feeling of, hey, I have a disability and I'm here. Um, but the automark machines were getting so old and unpredictable. Um, I, and this just seemed, you know, like a much more secret way to do it, for sure, private way. But what I'm wondering about is I have not heard much about other disability groups being informed of this. Because I can think of, you know, people that might be a wheelchair user or immunocompromised or whatever that should find this wonderful. And I don't see this happening, that the disability groups are banding together for this. 
And I just wondered if other people have had experience of working with other groups. Thank In you, the Sharon. Law case that we brought to uh, to a head here in Massachusetts, we did have plaintiffs who had other disabilities as part of, of the list of plaintiffs. Yes, it was Bay State Council of the Blind, but there's right. also the the um, Boston Center for Independent Living. We had right. a person who was a quadriplegic um, and couldn't. I'm do not the saying about the pl- to get it. I'm saying right. now that we have it. I don't see it being advertised elsewhere. I agree. It's terrible. Yeah. It is absolutely terrible that that isn't happening. Part of the problem, though, is getting anything new up and rolling so that it's common knowledge that this exists requires real commitment to doing it over and over and over again. Florida just just wrote a resolution that essentially says that, um, that we believe that um, directors of elections in counties, but in particular the 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 um, Department of Elections or the Division of Elections in the Department of State, Florida, need to take the responsibility and do a huge statewide campaign on disability voting between now and the twenty twenty four election. Um, there we go. And and yeah. and we think we think that it that it is their responsibility and that and that. They they have an obligation, just as just as they try to promote voting in general, they have an obligation to promote voting in areas where people just flat out don't know about it. So, um, right. we're we're hoping that that'll have some success. You can tune in and see what happens to that resolution in the in the in the Florida board meeting that's coming up. <laughs> well, I'm going to go cool. and I'll get on Alexa. Miss Sharon, thank <laughs> you. The rest of the way. Have a good mm-hmm. night, all. Bye bye. Yep. Good night now. Miss Marianne. Lynn Schneider. Hi, I'm I'm going to be really quick because I know you guys are running short of time, but I don't think we can have this discussion without sort of being honest about, you know, the elephant in the room, which is ongoing, active, aggressive voter suppression in general. I think one one of the things, and by destroying the post office, which they are working on and, and kind of pretty much doing mm-hmm. um, this is going, you know, the, the mail is so slow right now. It's, it's not getting the right places, whatever. I just really feel like everything is in place for ex- the, the, the mailboxes where people could, you know, used to drop their ballots off. I know even in my own community, they're taking away mailboxes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, to get to a mailbox that some people have to get into a car. Oh yeah. And, 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 and often three or four blocks away. I, right. One of the, one of the things that I had to do in, in buying my house just now was to be sure I was in a community where mail delivery was still happening. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, and, and, so I, agree and, I and, and I do not believe that that is an accident. I'm sorry. I don't. Yep. Yep. Fair enough. Thank you very much. Sure. Um, Chris, I, I want to ask you a question. Um, I, I want to make a statement and see how you feel about it. One of the things that's, that's been happening in Florida, and I suspect in other states as well, is when we talk about things like voter suppression, which, which Lori was, and I think it's perfectly appropriate to talk about it, um, or when we're talking in Florida about the d- degree to which there has been 
legislation passed to uh, exonerate um, criminals and 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 restore their 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 legal right to vote, among other things. Um, one of the things that I believe that that those kinds of movements have done is to have created um, a landscape where people with disabilities found it very difficult to be heard, because even though we may be the largest minority, we're not perceived by any means as the most powerful. And most of the others say, we have so many issues of our own that we don't have time for yours. Do you think that's realistic, Chris? Yeah, I do. Um, you know, I, I I don't want to be accused of blaming the victim, but <laughs> to a certain extent, um, our lack of participation um, makes it more difficult for us to create an issue that right. has to be recognized by politicians. Yeah. So, um, you know, I've gone, when I lived in Minnesota, uh, I've gone to... Uh, you know, speeches by different candidates, and I'll raise my hand, and if I get called on, which isn't always the case, of course, um, I'll raise a question about disability and say, what's your position on, you know, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, and that forces the person to say something, which often isn't very meaningful. Um, but the point is that if people with disabilities would raise those issues uh, when candidates come to speak, or if we were to use our organizations to invite them to come to speak, as they, we did in right. Minnesota, then you know we can educate candidates and get them to say stuff, which we could then put into press releases and create an issue. And mm -hmm. that's really what we have to do is create an issue so that people all of a sudden know we're there and get a sense of what our problems are and why they are problems for us. And until and unless we do that, I don't see it being changed. Yep. Cool. Thanks, Chris. Marianne? Tony has her hand raised. Yep. Suspense. She is unmuted. Hello, uh, Paul. Yes. DJ on Tony's phone. Hey, DJ. Yes, sir. And uh, first of all, thank you for taking my uh, call here. And huh? this is a topic that has been an ongoing, if you want to call it issue, you can say that uh, for many years. A uh, couple of things. Number one, I think when information is properly disseminated, that those in the disabilities community will be exposed to it, and particularly those in the blindness community. Yep. Since uh, most of us here on this call are mm -hmm. both, I think it's key and essential. Uh, just uh, yesterday, um, in our chapter meeting, we discussed this. Uh, we did have our um, director uh, uh, of, of the Board of Elections, supervisor of Board of, of Elections, I'll get it right, uh, come to us last month. Nice. And I've been in contact with him. Also, 
going to be in contact with him because it's kind of late now for the general ele uh, election, but for the upcoming elections in March 2023 yep. for the mayoral and the city council election, mm -hmm. I am uh, working on getting us involved in hands-on demonstration of these new machines that are out as well as uh, working with, and, and that's the key thing, uh, not, not uh, feeling as though these persons, uh, especially the supervisor of elections, are against us, but when we can work with them, right, making them aware of the needs of our particular communities, mm -hmm. um, I think that that will go a long way in helping to uh, advance uh, things, making them better. Because I, I believe, and maybe I'm, I don't know, maybe someone may feel different, in it, and, and if so, that's okay. But I believe that, and I'm not going to say if, but I'll say when we all, and I'm inclusive in this, when we all feel as though we can privately and independently use and exercise our God-given right and freedom to vote. Um, you know, it, it, it does something. And I can remember when I was cited and I was able to vote freely and independently with mm -hmm. and need nobody to fill out anything. But when here it is now. So I believe that uh Getting in touch with our supervisor of elections, and down mm -hmm. here in Florida, we're talking about 67 counties here. Yes, sir. Okay. And so when we can uh, get in touch with and work with our supervisor of elections, because a lot of times they won't know unless we expose them to it. Yep. And so when we work with them, and uh, here uh, we have a person here in Duval County who is, you know, uh, you know, we're working with and educating them to the needs of persons with disabilities. And I'm not talking just with persons in a wheelchair or anything. I'm even right. talking about people who have dys dyslexia, right. people who are illiterate, yep. you know. All across the board, I think will go a long way for us uh, to at least put a dent into the situation. So, DJ, thank you a lot, sir. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. You are coming to our meetings in, uh, in in a little bit. I will, sir. All right. Take care. You too. <laughs> DJ DJ is from Jacksonville, so um, yeah. he's talking about a local chapter. DJ, send me information about about where and when, okay? That's you. All right. Very good. We'll do it. Right. Casey's Ms. hand is raised. Yep. Mr. Detmer. 
Yeah, Mr. Paul, how are you? I'm good. How's life in Michigan? Well, it's pretty good now that I'm president of the affiliate. It's, uh, mm-hmm. um, well, what I was going to talk about. And you're buried in snow up there right now, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Up north, not us, but it's cold enough here. It's rain is cold and oh boy, windy. Tapped you because they had other people. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, what I was going to talk about is some of the things that some you of your perceptions. Wait a minute. What's happening here? Yep. Somebody is. Um, somebody needs to mute. Um, go ahead, Casey. Um, in my career, I've gotten results both ways in the disability community from Republicans and Democrats. Uh, a lot of it has to do with who you know and who mm-hmm. you get involved with. Yep. Um, the other part of it is is that when the voting machines came out. Um, Michigan and myself in particular were involved in the front and center in the development of the of the speech and what commands were in the auto market and how it was laid out and we actually right. did it with the, on the elected operators committee held an election that way. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the things that we've had a, tr- a problem with with all through is getting these bureau of elections and secretary of states to have adequate training to the poll workers because they change. Um, they don't really understand that these machines are for everybody, not just for the blind and disabled. So they don't get used a lot. So it turns out these people don't know how to use them. Right. In Michigan, we have an issue with the Dominion Systems machines, mm-hmm. which I will probably bring to the leadership list in ACB because there are 27 states that have this machine. The voices are awful because they're not consistent. Uh, they're Google TTS voices. And in 2020, I couldn't even tell whether I was voting for Trump or Biden. That's how bad the voices were. <laughs> and um, and we've tried unsuccessfully to communicate with them. And because it's a toxic issue, the Dominion system between the parties, whenever we try to raise it as a, a disability issue, they don't want mm-hmm. nothing to do with it because they think we're going down the right wing. And we're not. It has nothing to do with Republican or Democrat. It has to do with uh, it has to do with the performance of the machine. And they claim they co- spoke with the Federation and all this sort of thing. And I don't know if they did or not. But in this state, we had a situation where th- there were three or three different machines put out there for accessibility, and the counties. Um, they, they put a bunch of disability people on 10 people with disabilities and tested them in Lansing. Mm-hmm. The majority of them picked one machine, but the counties had the choice to pick whatever machine they wanted. And so they picked in our County, they picked the least desirable and six, 70% of the state is that way. So I think that's one reason why people aren't voting is because they can't use these machines very well. Yeah, though, though, though there are a lot of us who think these new machines are so much better than the older ones. Well, the ES, if they had something like the ES and S machine they demonstrated in Omaha, that would be great. Right. That was, that was a that was a good that was a good machine. It was. Um, it is a good machine. But. but the other thing that I think we have to do, and I think somebody went back to this, um, we have to get our needs out there. And one of the things that in Michigan that's happened, and, and at least where I am, the Centers for Independent Living tend to use language which says that we're on the left. That's where we come from. 
And I tell them over and over again, change your language. And even the director agreed with me, change the language so it's more centrist so that it includes everybody. And in our state, even though we have, um, in Grand Rapids even, we have a Democratic mayor and everything else, we can put those issues out there. But in this case, the Republicans, when they, when they hear our issues, once we get them to them, uh, they tend to react quicker. But where we have to work at ACB is we've got to get re- Republicans to be more sponsors and, and leaders of these bills instead of just going toward one party. And I think that's one of the things that will help in the voting thing, too, because people will see that we have congressmen and senators from both parties aligned with our causes. Cool. Casey, thank you so much. You're welcome. Appreciate it. Yep. Miss Marianne? Doug Hall has his hand raised. Mr. Doug. There we go. Hey, Paul. Hi, everybody. Um, I have a couple of comments I wanted to, to make. Chris, um, I'm glad you made your comments about what's going on in North Carolina. We have similar problems. The, the problem we have in Florida is that every county has its own system. There are very few minimal standards put up by the state. Each county sets it up the way they want to do it, and it is a pain in the neck. Some counties do good. Some counties do nothing. Um, You're right, Paul, about in 2020. I was involved as one of the plaintiffs in that case. Um, Actually, I had heard that 60 people uh, registered to use the accessible, but only 30-some actually voted with it. Um, It's it's more than I thought. Volusia, Volusia, of course, did better than anybody else, mainly because and, and, our supervisor was willing to do it. Right, and and probably twenty of the thirty came from Volusia. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> most of them did. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, so that that's uh, a lot of it is is the the supervisor. We need to get a hold of our supervisors and our boards and educate them. And and there's a problem. There's a lack of education. I I agree. Mm-hmm. There is a problem there. By the way, I want to mention about this military thing. Um, there may be federal standards. However, every state does their own thing. I found out right. here in Florida that military and overseas can only vote by mail or by fax. So Interesting. There, there is no uh, electronic return at this point in Florida. Florida does not like electronic return. We need to move that way, but they're against it. Um, we need to educate officials. They they know nothing ab- about what we about what we need. Now, what is good in Florida is that we do, and I guess other states do. Uh, every pre- t- precinct is required to have an accessible machine. Thank goodness the legislature two years ago decided that those machines are to be used by everybody. I think that's going to speak well. I've heard a lot of complaints by people saying, why spend thousands of dollars for a machine that nobody uses? Well, but the trouble is that, that nobody is, is advertising the fact that they can be used by everybody. Ex- Agreed, and they need to do that, and I've, I've been complaining about that. We need to advertise that. We also need to educate poll workers. I've heard several complaints that poll workers are telling people that's only for people with disabilities, and they're not allowing people to use it. So there needs to be an education. and We, uh, we probably need to establish some kind of a training system with all the counties, and like I said, yep. each county is different. 
Yep. But there needs to be, and the other thing I, I want to comment, and Anthony kind of said it before, the problem is that very few people are involved. I agree. That's a problem. Um, we need to get more people involved. But Brian, you said something before, which I wanted to, to emphasize, and that is this system, it doesn't matter how many people use it. It's our right to have it if we want it. Yeah. Not if one person use it, uses it, then it should be done as far as I'm concerned. And yeah. I'm glad you said that. Mr. Doug, thank you very much. Thank you. Appreciate thank you. it. So, so I'm going to toss in a couple little bits here for a moment, if I can, Paul. I Maybe. would say that the vast majority of what I've heard this evening is absolutely true. My degree, such as it is, is in political science, so I always intended to work in government in one form or another. Um, but, you know, if we want to impact things, then we have to be involved in the entire process, not just show up on election day and flip a switch, push a button, whatever. We really need to be involved from the get-go. At our state convention here in Massachusetts, we always have a table for people who want to register to vote. Uh, mind you, the form is not accessible, uh, but we have it staffed by both a blind person and a sighted person to assist people in doing that. We only register two or three, maybe five at the most at a, any particular convention because three-fourths of the people there were there last year and the year before. But got to register. And the second thing, Paul, have you ever worked on a candidate's campaign? I have. Um, and not and as I've often as I should have. Um, but it, um, it, makes, it makes a huge difference in terms of your being able to get access to that candidate. Be because, because you know not only the candidate, which is nice, but you also know all of the aides. And they know you. And, and they know what you represent. And it, and it makes a huge difference. Now, uh, we know that we, as the ACB and its affiliates, because we're 501c3 entities, cannot campaign for a particular candidate. Correct. As an organization. But that doesn't stop our individual members from doing so. And that doesn't stop us from for that matter, campaigning on a subject as opposed to a candidate. Uh, if, if we're having troubles dealing with some statewide issue or county issue that applies to people with disabilities, then we certainly can put out information about that. So again, this idea, you know, the word politics has got such a nasty taste these days, but you know, it's the whole process. Uh, I also want to talk about this idea of educating uh, public servants as mm -hmm. to their, re their responsibilities. I'm more than willing to participate in doing that training. However, I believe that, in fact, it's the Secretary of State's, the statewide elections, right. to educate all of yep. the election officials as to their responsibilities to this. Yeah. Uh, Offer that's, assistance, right? Their job. That's that's essentially what our resolution says. Yep. 
and 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 perhaps we'll you know if people want to see it, certainly glad to share it with other states. Cool. So, Mr. who Bryan? else do we have? Miss Mary. We have Starry Williams. Uh huh. Miss Williams. She's on. There you go. Hello. There you are. Closer to your mic, please. Huh? Closer to your mic. How's this? Much better. Fantastic. So there's a lot of talk about voting and absentee voting and all these different types of things. But as a, I would consider myself a young voter, given that I'm only about to turn 33. Uh, I was not raised up to vote or understand politics. So I didn't understand how to even find all the information out there. And uh, I guess people these days are more woke than I am. So maybe they know these things, but I didn't even know there was a such thing as an accessible voting machine. Uh And uh, when I went to vote in the election with uh, Trump and Clinton, I just Mm. did it through the poll person who was there because, Mm -hmm. you know, I just don't have the information. So uh, what I want to ask is, does all of this talk about voting take into account those who just don't have the information and don't know how to find it? Where do you live, Miss Williams? I live in Missouri. Missouri. Okay. Um, well, uh, your Missouri affiliate, which is a pretty big one, um, ought to have information on exactly what's available in Missouri. Um, but um, I, I think you really do raise a good point. Um, you know, I, I, I think most of us would agree, and I think both Brian and Chris would, that that there are a lot of disabled people who don't know about the special accommodations that have been made to enable them to vote. Um, and, and, you know, we, we decided in Florida that we needed to make it the responsibility of the, of the state board of elections and, and, and the county supervisors to go out and find folks like you, Ms. Williams, and tell you about um, the way you're right take part in the election privately and independently is safeguarded by the systems that we have. So we hope that in two years when we're doing this program again, you'll call in and tell us that you know all about it. I hope so too. Thank you. But but that's a very good point and thank you for your call. You know, it is amazing, Paul, that all the statistics that talk about how many people are disabled how many people are blind or visually impaired we don't know their names no Uh, we don't we know we know a very small fraction Mm -hmm. these are just uh statistical estimates in terms of bulk numbers right so most people with disabilities are likely not to think of themselves as being disabled unless there was an advantage pointed out to them they probably don't think that way at all. And uh, even the blind know, population, we you know, oh, we know absolutely. that only ten percent of blind people probably, if it's even that high, 
are are actually uh, associated with either um, consumer organization or any of the three. Oh yeah, I, I think it's actually more like five percent, but yeah. It, nonetheless, it is. Where do you, as a blind or visually impaired person, get your information about rights and responsibilities as a blind person? When you fill out your tax form and you see the word blind there and that there'd be an advantage if you were legally huh? blind, you might see if you could qualify for that. If you are a, a person who drives a car and you see this idea of handicapped parking placards uh, and the like, you might want to get yourself designated as a person with a disability. But when it's as esoteric uh, as voting, uh, as people become more disabled, I, I think that it's pretty typical that they simply stop because it's more effort uh, for them to do it. And uh, they're not used to asking for accommodation for that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I bet you most people who cannot go up steps simply go to restaurants that don't have steps. There's enough out there that yeah. they just do that. Just okay? ignore the ones that aren't accessible. Exactly. Yep. So Very the same good. thing holds true for all of the rights that we've worked so hard to get. Uh, I bet you most visually impaired people, not totally blind, but visually impaired people don't have any idea what those detectable warnings are for. Oh, I get, I think you're right. Um, all right. Paul, may I add, make a, a statement here on this? You may. Chris. Um, I, I think this is kind of a crazy idea, um, but you know, maybe it would be worth ACB trying to um, push uh, special ed teachers to devote some time in special ed to civics in general and voting in particular yep. uh, to, to spread the word that, hey, you may, you may have a disability, you may be in special ed, but you can vote. And, you know, here are your rights, because uh, otherwise I don't yep. know how we're going to reach folks. Yeah, so. I think. I, I think that's a good point. You know, there there are <clears throat> in some states, and Florida is one of them, um, requirements for, for instance, that disabled student services departments at all colleges and universities are required mm -hmm. to register folks to vote. And the same thing's true of uh, Voc Rehab and the Division of Blind Services. Um, and and I suspect there are other entities that are covered that 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 I haven't had experience with. I'm I'm sure independent living. Um, entities are required to do the same thing, um, but it. I I think that once somebody gets asked, uh, "Are you registered to vote?" and they say yes, then that's the end of it. And that's There's certainly no not sufficient on the back side. Right? Of that. Exactly. No, I think it's a. I, I think it's a good idea, and I also I also wonder. And 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 you know, uh, Chris, you and I have talked about about the ADA a little bit, whether we're now at the stage where, where it's time for ACB to think about doing community calls that, that are perhaps called voting 101 or ADA oh. 101. Yep. So, I would agree sure. Yeah. Miss Marianne. Larry Johnson. From Texas. Hey, Larry. Yeah, I have a couple. I knew of there things. was another Southern state. 
Yeah. <laughs> I have a couple of things to share and then a, a comment. First of all, I just want to share with you that we recently had a disability issues forum uh, here in Austin, and uh, we invited the uh, top four candidates for governor, lieutenant governor, attorney general, and secretary of agriculture. And we had four Democrats show up and zero Republicans. That tells something about Shocking. yeah the uh, the interest in the disability community. Uh, community. Uh, the second thing I want to share with you, and maybe you already know this, but uh, for those who don't, uh, the League of Women Voters uh, has a website which they call Vote Four One One, which is nationally available. And you go on that website and you put in your street address and it brings up the ballot with all of the uh, officials who are running in your particular precinct. And it's and they usually have about two or three questions that they ask each candidate. And some of the candidates don't choose to answer. But those who do, you can read their position on some of these policies, which is very, very helpful the website is is very uh, friendly. So for those who kind of want to know, well, how do I find out about the candidates? That's a good way to do it. But my final comment um, before I have to leave you is, I think the biggest affliction that blind people face today is apathy mm-hmm. and complacency. Yep. And this was kind of referred to earlier when they said, well, you know, so uh, do you use the voting machine when you go? No, I take my wife. I take my sister. I take yep. yep. And uh, would you be interested in, you know, accessible voting from your home? I don't think so. I like to get out. And, you know, I wrote an article uh, that appeared in the Braille memorandum about all the different gains that we have made over the past 20 years or so since ADA about accessible uh, voting machines, about, uh, you know, Braille menus and large print menus and ATMs and, and so forth. And, and, and then and the final comment is, well, you know, if we don't really use these things, how can we continue to advocate for them or for others? And so the real challenge for ACB, and actually for each and every one of us, is how do we persuade blind and visually impaired people to get a fire under their butt and start doing things? (laughs) You know, back before ADA, there was a lot of energy and there was a lot of excitement and there was a lot of cooperation among the disability community. We've lost all of that. It's now become very complacent. People are very content with what they have. We we have a, a Your Vote Matters program scheduled for the 29th of this month, and it's like pulling teeth to get people to want to come and attend. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's all. Thanks very much. Thanks, Larry. Um, Anthony, I promised to give you a chance to come back in, or are there some things you want to add? Yes. Um, so 
you know, I, I want to go back to education and voter suppression for a minute. Um, you know, and Ms. Schneider, who, who spoke before, I think, you know, put it out there in a way that I was trying to be a little bit more delicate earlier in the conversation. But the fact of the matter is, you know, a lot of conversations and you hear this from pundits on on the news shows and and on, you know, our you know Sunday programs and things, conversations that happen when it's not being recorded, when it's not, you know, part of, you know, a broader spectrum of, of people seeing it are a lot different than what you see and hear when, you know, there's a microphone and a camera in someone's face. And the same thing kind of goes, you know, we're finding, I, I most definitely myself am finding that conversations that happen don't necessarily reflect what's out there. And so, this is my own personal deduction, but I've, I've come to believe that there are a lot of good people in this world who are poll workers, who are elections officials, who are trying to get through the day, who now have the added pressures of, if God forbid something goes down in our state, am I going to be targeted? It, you know, is my name going to be out there? Are people going to be threatening my family? So, you know, I, I, I truly, truly believe in our resolution, 100%. But I don't think that that itself is enough. I think that we as the, you know, a, a American Council of the Blind, and, and hopefully I would want to think that the other organization would also want to be on this, that we have a responsibility to educate as well on top of it. I, I, I don't know that trying to educate poll workers and election officials' offices is something that is going to matter. No, let me rephrase that. Is something that's going to make a movable difference in the foreseeable future because they all have bosses. They all have people that are above them. And when you tell them, you know, the actual election supervisor of a specific county, this is what's going on on your website. It comes from the state. Then you got to go to the state. The state has a boss who's the secretary of state. The secretary of state has a boss who's the governor. And if the governor or any other cog in that piece of the machinery says, well, I don't want to make it easier for any of these folks. We made, we're giving them the tool. Let them figure out how to use it. The buck is going to stop there, no matter how hard we push on them themselves. It's our vote itself that's going to make a loud, much louder statement than trying to push for education and repurposing, et cetera, et cetera. I, I think it's a responsibility of our organization. And, and I really do believe, again, personally, not even, not even from my job who's paying me standpoint, this is me personally alone. I do believe that using Mr. Wiseman's most favorite word, cross-pollination amongst all of us all of the disabled community to say, you know what? Enough is enough. We're going to all educate our folks. We're going to give them all of the information they need, all of the, and you know what? Once we show numbers and we're out there voting, then they're going to have to follow the trend and pay attention. Mm -hmm. um, that, and, and when you are, one more comment, if you don't mind, when you yep. are dealing with specific offices, I, I do Hope that you bear in mind that the folks you may be speaking to may not be speaking from their own personal viewpoint, but they're stuck and locked in a place because that's how that county, that office, or that state is directing them to be. 
They may not want to be as antagonistic with us as they are at some times, but that's just the motive where they are at the moment. And it, it is upon us to educate ourselves to make sure we have the most informed choices to make. So, uh, so Anthony, I, I need I need to take you one step forward. If 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 in fact that's what we discover that that the state and or um, supervisors of elections at the county level have no interest in participating with us and aren't prepared to do the kind of training that we're requesting. What's our next step? Then we invite them into our arena and we do the training and ask them to at least consider. That, that's, that's fine. So we, so we do their job for them. Mm-hmm. Some, you know, my dad always told me back in the day, if I wanted a job to do the job, and when they recognize that I'm good doing the job, they'll finally give me the job. And to a certain extent, I think that that kind of goes across the board. I don't believe that they shouldn't be doing their job in any way, shape, or form. I'm not advocating that we say that you're not supposed to, but how long is it going to take us? Look look at currency. Look at website access. Look mm-hmm. at all the things that we're advocating for, how long it's taking us to make small movements. And to the earlier point on complacency, I absolutely agree. I think there's too significant a portion of the disabled community and our community as well that says we got the ADA. We can always fall back on complaining on it and citing the ADA. And that, you know, that doesn't mm-hmm. always hold up. Sometimes you have to continue to be loud and be in people's yep. face. And if they won't do it, then we do it until we can force them to do it. Got it. Mr. Anthony, thank you so thank much. Thank you. Thank yep. you so much. Yep. Paul, Ms. we have two other participants, but can I just make one comment? You can. Thank you. Um, about the training, what, what Anthony was just talking about. In a sense, if you get them to come to your arena, then you're getting them to do their job because it's yep. in their right. So it is their job to come to you then. Then if yep. you know, as opposed if, to if you create them, opportunities for them, and they to do take their those job. opportunities. Thank you, right. Marianne. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So Good point. I was just thinking. All right. Let's um, take the two other people, and then we're going to give Chris a chance to rebut some of the stuff that Anthony's been talking about. With Nora's Jesus. iPad, and then Ray Campbell. Nora. Okay. Yeah, hello. Hi. Hi, um, from Phoenix, Arizona, and I have no idea too much about Arizona's voting, except that we have ballots that are unaccessible, more like we have huh? to, when we vote for, we used to have crossing and like connecting the two arrows together, which I like that better than having to color in the whole circle for whomever you want to vote for, uh-huh. and it might, that might be really hard for somebody who's visually impaired or blind. Right. Yep. And because I do um <clears throat> I do a mail in ballot because of transportation issues. Some mm-hmm. people who are disabled they have trouble getting out to vote at the vote at the polls because of their yep. um transportation and I'm one of them. And I have to have someone help me vote because they can see better as far Yes. So you have somebody in your family help you to do that? Yeah, because of the... Uh, nice. Do, you don't feel as though... Uh, you don't feel concerned that, that they may not be abiding by what you want. They may say, well, she she's asking me to vote for A, but I, I know we'd be better off with B, so I'm just going to vote for B. 
He's trying to get on the ballot for next uh, spring's elections. Came to us and said, you know, I'd, I'd like you to sign my petition, if you would. And I said, well, I'm going to have to have a little help doing that. And he says, well, I don't know what the rules are on that. So um, I, I just think that um, this is probably something that I would certainly encourage state affiliates to look into is ways that accommodations that can be made so that um, we can, if we there are people we believe in and that we want to uh, get on the ballot accommodations that can be made so we can help uh, complete their uh, their petitions or whatever they need to complete to get on the uh, that the, the we need to provide to them to get on the ballot so um, <clears throat> it's uh, uh, great topics tonight uh, a lot of good discussion and um, that's all I got thanks Ray thank you so much Oops, excellent the wrong button <laughs> gotcha very good. Um, Mr. Chris, any, any comments on some of the last few commenters? Well, um, you know, I, I'm thinking about what happened in Los Angeles with the recording of, I guess they were supervisors. <laughs> I can't remember the title. Um, yep. But um, it, 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 made me, it made me think about <clears throat> um, how if it weren't too expensive, which unfortunately it usually is, but if you go to some of those fundraising dinners in your community for, for candidates, I don't care which candidate it is, what party, and you ask a question about disability or mm -hmm. whatever you want to ask, and you turn your iPhone on to record, um, you know, you might get some interesting stuff. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, that's only legal in one party uh, authorization because uh, it would be illegal if uh, you have to, in your two party set where both everybody has to, or the parties you're recording have to agree and you don't tell them you're recording, then that's mm -hmm. a violation. So I'm not going to tell anybody to violate the law, but <clears throat> the truth is that it's, it's when they're, when they're doing fundraising with, uh, with their folks, if you will, the, the, the local partisans, Mm -hmm. um that the truth comes out and uh i think that uh you know it could be some interesting recordings if uh if right. some of us go to those and so uh, record them. just just so for the sake of of making things clear in los angeles some recordings were released um that that suggested that that there was a, a good deal of of racism and horse trading going on uh, to to try to retain control of the Los Angeles City Council would that would that accurately describe what you're talking about yes yes yep yep very good yep excellent Brian any thoughts well generally I one of the things I try to remind myself of is how it was in the old days so I can more appreciate how it is in the current days uh back in the day when you had to the best you could ask for is for either the republican or the democrat whichever one you want oh, no i take it back one of each had to go with you into the polling right. booth and run the punch machine or slider or whatever it was uh so you had no privacy in the act uh, you, of voting 
Right. You had you had the option of using neither of those folks and and taking someone of your own choosing in with you as well. Not in the state of Oregon. Oh, okay. Very good. Sorry. Your your only choice was one Republican, one Democrat. The parties distrusted one another that they weren't going to allow anything other than that to happen. So you couldn't you you couldn't choose your 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 wife or your husband or your mother or your father or eventually we got it modified so you could but that's not how it started in my my involvement in elections very good then then i moved out here to massachusetts and uh there was no accessible ballot here either i had to rely on somebody else to fill out my ballot so my wife and i talked to the town clerk uh found out that he was amenable to us creating a template that you would put on the ballot that had cutouts to where you would mark it for different things and a tape recorder with the taped questions indicating which of the slots you would mark for which issue. That was my first experience with accessible voting. My current one, as you heard from from others, it's just plain easy when done right to participate as as part of the voting public uh, i always say that you know if if you don't like it but you haven't done anything about it i don't want to hear your complaint i truly don't if all right. people do is complain about things but don't get up and do something about it then i'm not interested in in their opinion or 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 belly aching about any of it. Boy, do I sound hard nosed, but yeah. it is so frustrating. Like uh, um, Larry Johnson was talking about the complacency about things. Uh, it is just oh, a really frustrating thing for those who do get involved, do get in Jane in, involved in all this, to only see the same faces time and time again handful of people in the organizations that actually are doing something uh, doesn't i think mean that everybody has got to be a scholar but mm-hmm. you know it doesn't take being a scholar to you know sign a petition or or peel and stick a an address on an envelope for a candidate as they're doing the mailing whatever it might be whatever it might be there's ways for everybody to participate in the democratic process. And I just hope that more of my fellow blind and visually impaired people get up and do it. I think it's worth talking about for a second. And, and I know Merrill has a, a hand raised and we'll recognize you in a little while, Ms. Merrill. Um, but I think it's worth recognizing that we really are not even a generation into the accessible voting arena. Exactly. Um, And I think it's important to recognize that because perhaps we need to be more patient with, with ourselves um, and, and not less angry at states because they don't have any excuse, not less angry at, federal commission experts because they don't have the any excuses either 
but I think less angry with people with disabilities because I think we did we did a good job in 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 uh, soon after two thousand uh, of making um, a huge effort to provide education as voting machines came along. I know Debbie Grubb and myself, um, and I think a few other people were involved in writing the first books that actually described exactly how some of the early accessible voting machines worked. And we put them out there um, because we recognized that, that our folks needed to know how these things worked. And I think that one of the things that's at least come to me <clears throat> from our discussion tonight is we recognized then that we had a huge educational job to do in our community. And, and I think that we're perhaps at the place where we have that same job to do again. Um, and we, we perhaps need to think about petitioning uh, ACB uh, and our affiliates um, to do some of that education. Um, I, I, I don't know the answer to this question, but I think it might be fun at some point, um, maybe, maybe on Tuesday topics, who knows, we can do a kind of a Jeopardy show or something and see what proportion of our folks uh, can actually answer answer some some basic questions about rights and responsibilities and voting and blah 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 um, I think we're going to find that the numbers are pretty small um, and I think I think that's going to be interesting so Miss Marianne could we invite Meryl to talk yes Meryl. Hi. She's Hi, Meryl. yes hey, I'm Meryl. unmuted um, thank you Paul uh, Marianne and Brian and everybody I am proud to say that for a few years, I have been an election judge in Baltimore County, in Maryland. And I, asked, I told them what I wanted to do when I had the training, and I just had refresher training on Saturday for the general election. Um, the first time, I was a greeter. So I told people where they had to go for the next station when they mm -hmm. did the process. Um, the second time, I showed people how to use the ballot marking device, which is the accessible mo voting nice. machine that we use. And the third time, I asked if I could do the last part, which was to give out the sticker that said that people voted and they said yes and I did that however I have tried to talk to the board of elections the supervisor actually and they said oh we'll look into it but this is something else I want to do and I'm going to talk to them next year again um, when a person first goes into the polling place there is something called a poll book. And a poll book is where that election judge will ask the person, uh, what's your name, your address? It's like a computer. And they'll see what's on the screen. And if it's a different address, they'll say, well, have you moved? And then that person will say yes, and they'll give them that address. Now, I feel, now you remember that Clark and Swatha have told us that if we have, we won't have to pay extra 
um, for another bit of technology which is already built in. So I'm not sure why they are not amenable because I feel the poll book is something that any blind person can do. So it's, a, it's an interesting question. <clears throat> there is a company um, that I know was operating in Tampa, Florida, mm -hmm. that had created an accessible version of the poll book they were trying to oh. sell um, to uh, electoral elements um, all over the country. And I, and I guess without a lot of success, um, I don't think that uh, that ACB or, or FCB um, got very, very much behind their effort to sell um, uh, poll book software that was accessible. Um, do you know anything about it, Brian? I don't, uh, but I, I want to start by saying thank you, thank you for, for participating in the process the way you have been doing it. You're welcome, it is Brian. so, so important. Uh, and it's getting harder and harder to get poll workers of any background or kind. Yes. Right. Uh, so many of them have literally aged out of the process. Mm -hmm. um, and now they're struggling to get people to do this. Yes, they uh, are. So important work. Thank so I, I love the idea of you rotating from a part of the process to a different part, etc. Nothing was above or below you, right? Readers, mm -hmm. uh, sticker right. giver, whatever. It doesn't matter. The, yeah. the idea is that you're, you're doing that for your community. And I assume in belief of the system itself in general. Yes. yes. But I'd love to see it be 100% accessible. So much of accessibility mm -hmm. is 90% there. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's that last 10% that we struggle with. Mm -hmm. uh, and this sounds to me like the last 10% of that process that we need to find a way through. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Chris, Thank you do you have so any much. thoughts about poll books? Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't know about them. I mean, I didn't, I didn't know about the term. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I guess every uh, <clears throat> jurisdiction and precinct uh, has them yes. in some mm -hmm. ilk or other, but I don't know if, <clears throat> whether they're all of one uh, software you know, development like you they, know, Epic does so many of the yeah. healthcare ones. I think they're um, I think they're pretty much uh, I think they're pretty much ubiquitous. So they're in every polling station. Uh -huh. I think that vert that all of them are electronic now. Yes, I don't they think are. I don't think I don't think anybody is actually using a quote poll book anymore no, they like are they not used to any longer. That's correct. Right. Though I did yeah. love to hear the pages turn by those poor poll workers trying to find my <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, but I do cool. think I do I do think that if we if the Department of Justice ever does issue a Title II accessibility mm -hmm. regulations, um, that we might try to get that filtered all the way down to things like poll books. Um, don't know whether we'd be successful on it, but that would at least give us uh, potentially some leverage. Thank you so much, Chris. Mm -hmm. Thanks for, thanks for what you're, you're doing, Meryl. You're welcome. Yep. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Meryl. You're welcome. That's excellent. No more hands, Ms. Marion? No, nope, you are clear. Very good. Um, Ms. Marion, any, any final thoughts that you would like to put into this little exercise? I really only have one thing to say. Um, you know, I 
somebody said today that they um tonight that voter suppression is rampant and that intentional and i think that person was right but what i've always said is there ain't anybody on the earth gonna stop me from voting so i say to people whether you have somebody help you that you trust or whether you get to the polls or you use an electronic ballot please 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 vote it is so so important and and it's just it's it's not just our right but it's what we should be doing and and again i i think we just have to have the attitude let them try to suppress us right so chris i'm going to ask you a, a a final question there has been there's been lots of discussion of voter suppression applying to i guess people who are who are black and and presumably people who are poor as well um, do you think that as a result of that, voter suppression includes a pretty fair number of people with disabilities? Sure, because, you know, we're, we're in all communities. I mean, yes, you know, we're, we're an open club. So, uh, yes, absolutely. It applies uh, to, to, to all communities. Sure. Yeah, I, I make the point because I think people have a tendency to think of voter suppression the way it's described. That, that means as es- essentially going after people who are part of one party or of some some other specific characteristic but the fact is that the populations that that um, that end up getting their votes suppressed are populations that include a pretty substantial subset of people with disabilities and it's absolutely true that the poorest segment of the population of the United States are people with disabilities Amen. Um, and so it, it seems to me that it's pretty likely that voter suppression is having an impact on people with disabilities. And, but I don't think we think of it um, in, in, in that context. I think that's an excellent point. And I think, uh, you know, it's something that <clears throat> we, should, uh, we, we should trumpet that this applies to, you know, everybody who vote is being suppressed and uh, doesn't matter. Uh, race or disability, it's going to include everybody. I think about the state of Texas, where you may recall, I can't remember, um, was in the within the last two years anyway, <laughs> that one of the counties decided to reduce the number of polling places down to one tenth what they were in prior elections. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, made it so that some people were 40 miles from their nearest polling place. Uh, Clearly, that would be a a really bad problem for people who are blind or visually impaired. It it, it actually happened. Biggest issues. Right. It actually happened in lots of places during the pandemic. Um, I remember in the last midterm elections in Wisconsin, um, I think they, they went from Oh, well over a hundred polling places in um, Milwaukee to one or two. Um, so yeah, it happens a lot. Uh, it's it's an interesting point, and there are so many components um, that that go into what limits people's ability to vote: transportation, the inaccessibility of websites, the poor training of poll workers, uh, the the um, 
the the limiting of early voting, the location of early voting um, uh, places, uh, so so that they're not as accessible to public transportation as they sh- as they perhaps should be. There are so many things uh, that are out there that that limit access to voting, but that we ought to be able to uh, to actually make a difference with. Uh, and I think that one of the things that we that we need to do at the state and local level is to get folks together um, in our local chapters and at our state level um, in 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 order to try to do an analysis of where we are in each state and then begin to develop some specific and and very carefully crafted steps that we recommend that all of our folks take. Um, we in Florida just had a, a fairly lengthy meeting of a combination of our access committee and our government affairs committee. And one of the decisions that, that was made was that we are going to attempt to develop uh, a, a series of step-by-step things that our local chapters can use when going to talk with um, their departments of elections and when going to look at the accessibility of their systems. Um, I think every single local chapter in this country between now and the elections in 2024 needs to invite their supervisor of elections to their meeting. Um, And it doesn't matter to me if only five people or 10 people are there. Um, Those folks ought to be bringing their machines and training our folks and being prepared to talk about the, all of the voting options that are available. Um, and, and, and if we're not doing it, then at least it's arguable that we shouldn't, um, we shouldn't expect them to do it if we don't tell them where we are. Mr. Bryan, final thoughts? Get out and vote. I mean, it, it's a simple thing to say, but I know it takes some effort on the part of those listening here today to to make that happen. But you do need to keep in mind that while we have rights, we also have responsibilities. And one of those is to vote. And and I would add to that that we have a responsibility to do some self-education about which candidates we believe will be uh, working in, in our interests, whatever your political persuasion is. Because mm-hmm. as, as important as voting is, it's also important to, to know who you're voting for and why. Yes, agreed entirely. My I, household, we sent out the Braille voters pamphlet and the large print voter pamphlet to 4,000 individuals. So that's education. It's not just being able to vote, but to being able to vote in an informed way. The truth is that there are a lot more ways that people can get information. Uh, Larry talked about uh, the League of Women Voters website. There are lots of websites for political parties and for virtually every candidate who's out there running for office. And, um, and, and I think that another thing that we can do is something that Florida used to do. Uh, which is to hold meetings that actually describe the issues that are on the ballot, particularly any initiatives that people are voting for. And that's another thing that that we need to use because I think our members often don't know about 
um, what those initiatives are about and don't have a good opportunity of understanding what they're what they're going to be about. Cool. Ladies and gentlemen, I think I've found tonight's show exciting because it's it's indicated to me uh, how much work ACB continues to need to do um, in, in order to assure that people who are blind or have low vision are fully able to access voting privately and securely. I think that down the road, we'll probably be able to assess how this midterm election did and can look for some data that gives us an opportunity to measure how people with disabilities did voting this time and what some of the areas we can use to make changes. In the meantime, you guys are Make What Tuesday Topics is. Thank you very much for being a part of our show and good night.